Welcome to the latest episode of Tech Sales Class with uh, me, James Hounslow. And today, I'm absolutely delighted because we've got Mark Mayfield all the way from uh, Israel, um, currently the CRO of uh, GK8. Welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me, James. No worries. Um, so, so, Mark, I wanted to bring you on as a guest. I've been talking a lot to um, to clients and sales leaders and VCs about the challenges of hiring um, salespeople around the globe and different things to think about. You've made a, a pretty successful career out of building sales teams. So it'll be really good just to dive in and get a um, uh, a little bit of insight into, into your success. But the best way of getting started, but it'd be really great if you could just give a little bit of overview to the audience so they know uh, who you are. Sure, absolutely. So as mentioned, I'm, uh, I'm the Chief Revenue Officer here at GKA. I've been with the company for a little over three years now. I'm not one of the co-founders, but I'm definitely one of the uh, original employees as far as that's concerned. Prior to, and GK8 is a cybersecurity company in the blockchain space. Our focus is uh, anything with regard to digital assets and protecting private keys. So it's it's a very technical oriented sale. Otherwise knows that it's, it's an enterprise sale or a complex sale, depending on how people refer to it. In my career, Prior to being in the digital asset space, I spent my career always selling fintech mm-hmm. uh, in the institutional space. I spent many, many years in the foreign exchange uh, institutional space, uh, selling solutions into banks, exchanges, FCMs. And prior to that, going back a while back ago, equities and options as well. So um, I've been living in Israel for the past 30 years, other than a two-year stint where I did go back to the U.S. to open up uh, an office for my company in New York. Prior to Corona, I spent uh, probably two weeks a month on the road traveling and globally, everywhere from South Africa, Russia, APAC, uh, EMEA, US, of course. There are very few countries in the world that I haven't uh, hit on as far as that's concerned. So that's my background uh, as far as uh, in a nutshell. Yeah. So based on what you you said there, there's this this key part that I want to dive into. Um, There are so many really great tech companies coming out of um, Israel. And most of them want to or need to have a commercial build in the USA because it's the largest probably client pool because most um, Israeli tech companies service companies that aren't in Israel. And looking to pull on your knowledge and experience, particularly of hiring in in North America, is is critical. I guess from from your experience, why do you think people struggle with getting hiring right in in North America, in your opinion? Well, especially when it comes to remote people. In other words, uh, prior to Corona, of course, people had all physical offices. And okay, you might build a group uh, sitting in New York of three or four or five people where they'd have their sales support, their SDR, their... Um, their pre-sale and their potentially customer success people all in the same location. Nowadays, it's a little bit different. And Corona lent itself to that to some extent, but it become, it's a challenge in and of itself. Uh, the concept of remote and hybrid type of space is uh, very, very common nowadays. Yeah. Now, it makes it a bit easier with regard to hiring uh, to some extent because you can hire uh, in various different locations. Uh, East Coast, West Coast, the United States is obviously... Those are, those are completely different areas as far as that's concerned. And it's while they're not different countries, uh, quite often you're going to want to have personnel in on different 
locations geographically. And the ability to, again, hiring the right people, you need to have people with an entrepreneurial type of uh, sense. In the GK8 space, our solution is a very deep tech type of solution. So you need people that have the technology expertise that they can go into a customer and actually uh, understand and talk to the solution that they need to provide. And of course, people that know how to sell. Uh, So the challenge there is many cases you have uh, salespeople that are more SaaS oriented, potentially, meaning shorter sales cycles as well. Um, And that's a different animal. I mean, and the concept of farmers and hunters in the old school where they would talk about uh, sometimes you need a mix, especially in the in the complex sale or the enterprise sale. But in our world, finding the right mix of technology expertise uh, and sales abilities is not always the easiest uh, thing to find. Um, and you got to get it right, because if you don't get the sales uh, person right, especially in a company like ours, which right now we're 40 people, you, you could set yourself back if you don't get the right hire uh, hitting on. Uh, because, again, in training them up, it's, it takes time. Nice. And the last thing you need to do is find out six or nine months into the process that you've made the wrong hire. Um, and then it sets you back another six or nine months. So uh, it's definitely a challenge. And that's why you got to work with the right companies and the right uh, potentially recruitment firms, as as well as other potential working. We have also some direct people as well for the company that do uh, recruiting is key. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to pick up on one particular part that you said there. So coronavirus has definitely made it easier to hire people anywhere in the world. Um, there's organizations which are set up now to help how we how we pay people. A lot of people have gone towards uh, Zoom meetings. So a large part of Zoom meetings over so many face-to-face meetings, which is you know, pretty good for the environment um, and also saves significant um, costs to a startup that hasn't had to pay so many flights here, there and everywhere. What advice would you give to a startup who are looking, who who, who might be in Israel or might be anywhere in Europe, but looking to put that first boot on the ground in North America? Because... Sometimes when there's so much choice, do you look for talent first, location second, or should it be find the best talent in a certain location? So pre-corona, I would have had a different answer. Yeah. Uh, So pre-corona was very much, I had to make a choice first and say, okay, I need somebody on the East Coast, presumably usually New York, maybe Mm -hmm. New Jersey, uh, somebody local, especially in the financial markets Mm -hmm. where our target customers were banks and our financial institutions where, again, the bulk of them are on the East Coast, uh, not exclusively, but a, many times your hub would be based out of New York region. In this day and age, that, that's changed a bit. Mm. And now I focus more and more, more on the finding the right talent. And again, because of the, the need to have that tech expertise together with the sales capabilities, I'm willing to have somebody sitting in, in Atlanta, potentially, that will make when he needs to do the traveling, but a lot of the calls start on Zoom. Definitely the, the pre-initial presentations are definitely happening still remotely. So I think nowadays, definitely finding talent first, location would be second. Which is obviously a great thing because it opens up a, a, a much greater spectrum. And it means people that, that probably had a skill set that were in New Jersey, New York, can actually move out and be based elsewhere. For, particularly if you're a, an Israeli tech startup, what should a leader be thinking about if they are hiring somebody away from the east coast and the reason why i say that if it's like one of your first hires you could end up particularly if they're on the west coast being a day ahead of them um and everything's going on 
how do you make sure that everything is structurally because it's it's an easy way to go right that won't work so i'm not going to do it but there's always a way how do you structurally set out a process to make sure that when you you're able to hire that person and and it's not process or other obstacles that get in your way that's a great point i mean obviously the west coast from israel is 10 hours uh depending on where they are which mm. a, again makes it challenging. And the pluses and minuses of being in a startup, we work very, very late hours. So uh, <laughs> it's quite common, sadly, that I take calls at 11 o'clock at night, my time, mm. which uh, is, is only midday uh, on the West Coast. But with that said, what's very important, just in any case of people working remotely, is the challenge of making sure they feel part of the company and they understand the culture uh, that you're building within the company. Because it's very, and, and the last thing you want is somebody sitting in their pajamas, sitting in their home office, because it doesn't lend itself to the culture that you want to build as far as that's concerned. So mm. very much, uh, obviously we have weekly sales meetings. We always assign, we call it a buddy to some extent, where they have a local person that is not their manager, that they're involved heavily with them uh, on day-to-day -day items that are sitting potentially in the headquarters. So in our case, our headquarters sitting here in Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. Even people that we hire in the U.S. or anywhere in the world, actually, we assign a uh, a local buddy, for lack of a better word, yeah, um, like that's it. that's there to to answer questions that maybe they feel more comfortable talking to a peer as opposed to necessarily their manager. We have weekly sales calls as well as uh, individual touch points that we have uh, both with, for instance, if if somebody working in the sales side. He'll have a, a, a weekly meeting with the customer success manager. He'll have a weekly sales meeting with the group. And he'll have a weekly sales meeting with his manager. All that's always in the calendar as far as that's concerned. We have a lot of systems, whether it be working, even though we are a startup, we work with systems like Salesforce, uh, Zendesk, uh, Monday.com. So we have a lot of systems in there in order to be able to share knowledge, uh, as well as things like WhatsApp groups, which in the U.S., they don't use WhatsApp as much no. as we do here, no. uh, over here. Again, it's a very common thing uh, for us. And something that sounds kind of trivial, but our HR is also very good with doing things like uh, happy hour, where we'll involve the people, uh, even in the remote offices, um, uh, where we might even send a, a pizza or something like that yeah. when we're having a pizza in the office. And always things that make them feel part of the company and the culture. It's very important because it is and, I, and as I said, I, in my career, I've worked in remote offices and it's challenging. It's, yeah. it's a bit more challenging trying to feel part of it, understanding what's coming down the product pipeline, understanding the personnel. Who do I need to turn to if I have an issue with a customer or with a potential uh, proposal or things like that? So uh, making sure that they feel part of the team, even though they might be seven or 10 hours away, is definitely part of what we do uh, and part of the management structure. Having um, an absolute abundance of experience of hiring uh, people in North America, I want to ask you a question, which is, I, I guess there's no right or wrong answer, but it's an opinion um, and an opinion that usually needs a lot more intel around it. But startups going to North America, um, some people will look to put one boot on the ground and say, right, let's see what you can do, um, see what you can generate. Um, some people like to fast track that to have more of a, a team. I will always advise from my side that because of the way the hiring works in North America, you need to have at least two because you never know when that person might exit and they can exit very quickly. And if you put all your eggs in one basket, um, that could become a challenge. From your experience of, of, um, of hiring 
there. What advice would you give to to startups? Is it get one boots on the ground, get it figured out, see how it is, grow from there? Or do you quickly work out plans, say, right, how do we have two or three people there? Right. So that's a great question. And, and it, it certainly depends on the product that's being sold. So there's a big difference between a solution that is a uh, an enterprise sale with the complexity of technology and different teams that you need to involve potentially at a bank, at a large bank, uh, as opposed to a solution that, again, I'm not I'm not trying to to knock any of the solutions, but a, a solution maybe like a salesforce.com. I'm using them as just an example where, okay, it's a potential SaaS offering, not always, that is uh, a little bit different type of a sale. So I can talk to more of the enterprise sale and the complex sale side of things. And in that scenario, I think it's very important that aside from, it's it's always has to be uh, a minimum of two people. And let me explain, but the two people don't necessarily all have to be enterprise sales people. So what we look to do is more to team together uh, an enterprise sales person together with a uh, initially a pre-sales engineer slash customer success. And they're two different roles. But as a startup company, uh, definitely when you're starting out, you can't necessarily budget to have have separate roles for uh, a pre-sales and a post-sale type of person. And yes, it is a bit of a challenge because you don't necessarily have all the same expertise with that. Uh, but sometimes you have to make do for lack of a better word yeah. uh, with the intention of splitting those roles uh, at some point. We look to hire uh, both a sales and a pre-sales engineer who has that technical expertise and is very much involved in the sales process. And, and to meet your point, in case one does leave, you always have the second one there as well. Um, but you also can't live in fear. You can't live in fear of, of, of employees leaving. And as long as they're making money and it's it's a good atmosphere and they're enjoying the process, we're usually pretty good at trying to keep our employees as well. But that's that's part of the course. That's always, that's always a challenge. Um when you're working with good people. So before we then go on to the how you do it, at what point should a business decide that you should go to another geography? Do you go there once the demand is high for conversations and that, you know, you know, you'll hear sales leaders all the time talking about pipeline, what's in there, the leads, the funnels, um, or do you go there and create the funnel? So first of all, you have to be very careful, especially as a startup, of spreading yourselves too thin. And that's a, that's a problem that I see startups that happens quite often where, OK, they all of a sudden want to take over the world. And both from a, a budgetary perspective, as well as just from a rollout perspective, whether it be implementations, support, there's a lot of infrastructure you need to have in place in order to support a global organization. I'm very big into focus. So we're, we're four years into the process now. And we're just opening up APAC uh, as we speak. Um, and it's not because we don't have customers. We do have customers in APAC already. And the demand is there for APAC. But again, uh, there's enough business on whether it be EMEA, whether it be um, the US, Latin America, that we're able to focus on uh, that just lent itself more for us to focus on on the geographic locations that that uh, I, guess, I guess fish where the fish were mm. uh, early on. Um, but in, in, to answer your question with regard to the pipeline, you're going to quite often go into locations where um, you may not have built a pipeline as of yet. Uh, doesn't, that doesn't mean you haven't had demand for the product, but it doesn't mean you had a, a local person focused on that geographic location. And what we find often is in many countries, and every country is a bit different, people want to buy from locals yeah. uh, or at least have a local presence uh, in their location. While we're an Israeli company with, with boots on the ground in the US and in Europe, 
So in APAC, we, we have customers, but we realize that in order for it to sell locally in Singapore or in Hong Kong, we do to have a local APAC presence uh, that they can speak to. Yeah, for sure. Um, so like that, so you know you're in the right place to do it. You've got either the the the, the pipeline or uh, everything is is aligned to you're ready to to move uh, and hire somebody. How do you work out what you need to hire um, and that and that skill set? Because that's one of the big things. I think people saying, right, hey, I just need to go out and I'm going to hire an A player. I've learned from 18 years that A players come in many shapes and forms um, and are fit for different businesses. An A player in a in a startup may not be an A player in a um, big, large corporate. So when you're thinking about, right, we need to get this hire on, it's a super critical hire. How do you sit down and think about, right, what do I need to hire? What am I looking for? Oh, absolutely. And and it's definitely somebody, somebody that's worked in a startup and has that startup mentality mm-hmm. of understanding it. And let me explain to you what I mean by that is quite often, and again, we still consider ourselves a startup. Uh, we've been around for four years, mm-hmm. but- you're you're not in, a, in an organization where okay you might always have uh, the documentation in the way that you might have in a large organization you might not have always the 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 product perfect fit that you might have in a a company that's been around for 15 years and you need to have somebody that actually um, has the vision and interest the hunger in being able to work in an environment like that and again I, again I don't know if it's an Israeli mentality. But the and it's it definitely there's different countries that have different aspects to it. The hours that the uh, that the Israeli startup mentality works is is off the charts. Um, And the expectations that we might have out of people in Israel are different than uh, than companies in the U.S. or companies in the U.K. And the employees that we hire have to understand that that to somewhat that's also a level of expectation, which they have to be willing and interested in working in that kind of an environment. And yeah, it's nice to say when somebody's looking for a job, they're willing to do everything and they're saying that, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta really understand the person that and and make sure they understand because mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to hire someone and then drop the bomb on them and say, okay, I'm expecting you guys to be available 24-7, et cetera, et cetera. They've got to be willing and able to that. And we set the expectation very early. And it's not only hiring remotely, but it's even mm-hmm. higher locally. Uh, what our expectation is. And making sure that that aligns with what this person is, with their with their home life and their work, with the balance that they want to have. Now, we're obviously very cognizant of a balance with regard to work and personal life. And somebody working remotely obviously has an ability to some extent as well um, to to balance that even more so than somebody working locally. But you gotta you gotta be able to set the expectation with employees. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's very important to start off. It's a topic of conversation for uh, for podcasts uh, this year because I I think look, you're you're absolutely right, and I think there's this this drive of work life balance now, meaning I don't work hard anymore. You, you can't get a startup to where it needs to be without hard work, even even if it's a product which flies off the shelf um, into people's things. There's still so much work involved in in getting around it. You just can't get that, but with the way the world is set up, you can do your hours in different ways. You know, now, for instance, you know, we work a lot with um, Israeli tech companies. So we're up early, but we're placing people in North America. So we're down late, but there's that time in the middle where we can get bits done 
um, and um, and sorted. So, but that is definitely a uh, a, a topic to uh, to talk about. Um, but 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 keeping on point, then once you've established what it is that you're looking for, how do you work out? Um, and this is a bit that I think gets missed is what you want the person to achieve over the first 12 months. And I don't mean that as a revenue <coughs> because it's very easy to say, right, actually, I want you to achieve this. But that revenue target is normally equated to how much investment you've taken. So it's actually this is what we need to uh, to achieve rather than accredited to the capability of the person that's that's coming in, because it's always probably going to be a stretch anyway. So what are you normally thinking about right what do i need this person to achieve over that first 12 months yeah so the kpis are different for the first 12 months that employees working for us as opposed to the following 12 months where they're already up to speed and especially because first of all there's a learning curve mm-hmm. uh especially with a product of ours i don't anticipate uh people coming in necessarily with the deep blockchain knowledge or cybersecurity expertise uh well it's great to find the perfect uh salesperson that has experience selling a competitor product potentially at often. But again, in many, many cases, we're training, we're training up the people. Uh, the first few months is they might travel to Israel in order to get local training. So they also meet the people, understand the, the, the company they're actually working for. So there is a, a, a process of getting that person up to speed. And again, if our sales cycle can range, uh, again, in a complex sale, you could be working with institutions that uh, you ha- might have a short sales cycle of two to three months, but in many cases, the sales cycle will be 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So your expectation for your KPIs have to be accordingly. And what we do is um, we have different size type, of, different types of deals. So on one hand, you want to make sure that the salesperson is going to feed his family. Um, and you want to make sure that he's going to be successful with your KPIs. You have to, you have to set legitimate goals that they can actually uh, obtain uh, because just to set a KPI and, and have them not, reach that KPI, um, you're going to frustrate the salesperson. He's not going to make the money that he wants. Mm-hmm. And within 12 months, he'll be gone because he hasn't made the money. Um, so you got to set KPIs that are, are actually reasonable. So they vary. They definitely are different for the first 12 months on what we expect from an individual, uh, as opposed to what somebody that's an accomplished person that's already up and running is. So interview process. Um, this is the, this is a part where I see... Um, a lot of people struggle. Um, you've kind of looked at what you want to hire um, and then you start to interview people. And then it's sometimes it's very easy to like a salesperson because particularly um, salespeople like to uh, show and tell. Um, but actually digging into, are they good at what they did? But does that match what I'm looking for um, from what we from what we've set out in? This is this is the criteria of, of where we're at. Um, are you a scorecard user um, within your interview process? Yeah, so it's definitely when, especially when we're talking about remote interviews, uh, fully remote interviews, meaning you don't have an option of necessarily meeting with them individually. Uh, it's definitely a bit more challenging. Uh, again, I, I wouldn't say we 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 definitely have an internal scorecard that we work with yeah. with regard to that. What I like to do uh, early on in the process in the interview process is. Um, I want them to try to sell me the product that they're currently selling mm-hmm. um, where again, they have the expertise. They already know I'm not looking at them to try to sell me on the product that I have yeah. because they don't know the product I have. Yeah. Um, I want to see how they currently, how they position their existing product uh, as if I was a potential customer. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that we've, I found very, very 
productive in doing because you can get a feel for their presentation skills. You can get a feel for whether there's someone that's actually asking the right questions early on in the process mm -hmm. from the prospects. Uh, and you can get a sense of, uh, again, if it's somebody that's just going in there and, and just presenting or it's somebody that's actually trying to understand what's it going to take to sell this customer? Mm -hmm. What other departments do I need to get involved? Uh, what's, does the customer have a budget? All these type of questions that you anticipate from a from a a candidate that's an experienced salesperson uh, that's managed an enterprise sale, um, they've got to do uh, they they've got to have their exploratory questions that are standard uh, in a process. And if if they're showing me if they're doing that for uh, an initial prospect on the product that they're currently using, then they should have the expertise in order to do that. And also, as opposed to maybe uh, a hiring process that's local. I'll involve a couple more people in the process of, mm -hmm. of trying to get a, a sense of who that person is on the other, line, other end of the phone. So I might have a couple more interviews that I would normally have potentially if I was interviewing them face to face. So in our world, I might involve uh, potentially our CTO, um, possibly even our CEO involved in, in something like that, depending on who the hire is or what the level is that I'm involving. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a little bit more challenging in trying to understand the, the person. Um, and of course, then the references, um, making sure you're speaking to the proper references after once you've made the decision uh, is important. The references are always a tricky one because uh, it's very rare that you're going to get a, a reference that's going to give you a very bad reference for a salesperson. Uh, but you got to you got to ask the right questions to understand to try to, to really uh, gather that information on a reference call as well. At what point do you come into the interview process? Do you do the first stage interview, um, second, third? Where where are you on, in the process? Yeah, so no, we definitely, we have a first our first interview process with our HR team. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll do the initial filtering. Um, also working with uh, a recruiter. They'll mm -hmm. be working with, the, uh, with them. Um, and again, as a small company, um, I will then do usually the second uh, mm -hmm. interview already. Um, and and then I'll also be involved in a follow up uh, process for that regard. But I'll usually do the second interview after the uh, the specifically for a sales position. Yeah. Uh, now, if it's a customer success position, then I have a customer success manager that reports to me that they would be the second uh, interview process. And I say customer success, also the pre sale. So I would have an individual that would be doing the uh, the interviewing process prior to getting to me. Okay. Um. From your experience, when is the best time to sell the company to the candidate? <laughs> well, selling the company to the candidate first. First, when you when the HR person uh, is doing the initial interview, mm. they need to sell the company sell the company already from day one. So, yeah. and even the recruiting firm, you're anticipating that they've done their job as well, yeah. and, and they've sold the company because again. Uh, maybe maybe now in the last six months or over the last six months, maybe things are starting to change a bit, but it's definitely a very competitive environment for the good mm -hmm. salespeople. Yeah. Um, and you need to get that person excited about the future that, that lies ahead, whether it be in a startup where they're maybe getting uh, packages of options or, or things like that, that's part of their compensation package or their ability to really build something and understand what the prospects are for them in the company, what the product looks like, why is this an exciting company? In other words, is it a growing space or is it a dying space? You got to be able to sell your sell your product uh, almost from the get go with any candidate um, that you that you're interested in getting. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
And then decision making, um, how long does it kind of take you to get to the point where you're 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 going to make a, a decision? Because it has been a, you know, there are the one thing, um, well, there's actually there's a number of things that I like about North America. There are so many incredible salespeople out there. How do you know when you've got that one? Because you can always wait. There's, that, there's always that other CV and, and you'll have a number of people that you could be talking to who are who are really good. How do you know when to make the decision and say, right, we're going to hire this person? Well, again, there's no perfect answer to that. In other words, uh, again, you, you can have a gut feeling. You can mm-hmm. have, uh, obviously, uh, based on the interview processes, um, when you found the right person, you got to pull the trigger, yeah. uh, especially in the environment of a competitive environment. If you have somebody that you've connected with, both on the personal level, on the professional level, because again, and and one of the things I've said to to my colleagues over here as well, um, and this is also an important process in the hiring. As you can see from my gray hair, I've been in the, I've been in the market a long time, yeah. And at this point, I want to work with people I like. Yeah. I don't want to work with people that I don't like. Yeah. And and that's also part of the interviewing process. You got to have people that you can connect to, um, you can trust uh, in the process. And of course, from a professional perspective, they need to be able to bring the goods. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, you're always going to, any anyone that's hired has made mistakes. Yeah. And you want to try to minimize that mistake as much as possible. And especially in a startup where, it's, as I said, you make the wrong hire, potentially sets you back in time. Uh, but at some point, you got to pull the trigger. And if you find the right candidate, you got you to pull the trigger and not waste the time and getting them up and running. If you were speaking to um, a founder, um, of a tech startup or, or a sales leader who were looking to make their first hires in, in North America. They've not done it before. It's their first bit. What advice would you give them to um, particularly how in North America, how they answer questions, which can be very different to uh, Europe uh, and uh, and in Israel? So uh, what advice would you give them to say what maybe they should be doing before they do the interview or what to expect during the interview conversation? So again, if it's somebody that's never worked in the U S or understanding the, the American mentality, um, they've got to get a bit of an education as far as, okay, what's to be expected. I mean, and not only that, also there are nuances in the hiring process. I mean, in the U S you have things like medical insurance and other, other things that are assumed uh, that you have. And as a startup, you might not have those uh, in place and you've got to know, you got to know how you're going to be dealing with that or uh, whether that person is going to be acting, being hired as a contractor mm-hmm. or whether that person or you're going to be setting up an organization there um, with local bank accounts and things like that. So these are all processes that you need to get into place before you start a hiring process. You got to you got to you got to hire, make the right hire. And and quite often it's it's somebody with the experience. And many times startups, um, the, the people that are running the startups are are young, for lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and just to give you a perspective, when I started in the company, uh, the two co-founders, one was 28 and one's 25. Wow. Okay. And as you can see, I've got a few years on them as far yeah. as that's concerned. Um, and, and I give them credit because again, what they, the, the founders of startups, they've got to understand is um, they need to bring in experienced people that know how to go to market and know how to sell um, and not be worried. Again, what you find often is, especially with sales people, sales managers, uh, they want to hire people that not necessarily are have more experience than they do because yeah. they're worried potentially of their own job. So you've got to be very careful with that um, because you do want to hire experienced people. And um, 
you got to be secure in your own in your own skin as far as that's concerned when you're hiring, uh, because otherwise I've seen scenarios where they're hiring people that are uh, have less experience than them, more because of fear factor than anything else. I totally agree, hundred percent. Because I've kept you for uh, quite some time already. Before uh, I ask you to give a uh, update on GK8 and what you guys are up to, um, I always give you because I bombard you with uh, a number of questions. Um, I give you the opportunity uh, uh, live on the show to ask me anything, anything you've always wanted to ask a recruiter, uh, and I will, <laughs> I will uh, give you my uh, my honest answer uh, to the best of my ability. Uh, so this sure, is that's great chance to, to put me on the spotlight. So again, I think I'd love to know from you, especially what's gone on over the last six months, especially in the financial markets mm -hmm. uh, and specifically even the digital asset space. Um, obviously, there are a lot more people out in the market now. Um, and uh, where I, I know going back a, a year ago, uh, the competitive aspects of what you'd have to pay for employees and uh, the compensation packages really got out of hand, to be honest with you, um, as far as that's concerned. How do, you, how do you see the next six months happening? Do you see a change in, in attitude with regard to uh, the hiring processes? So, so yeah, so there's, there's no getting away from the fact that there's been a lot of redundancies that have been made. Um, I think, though, um, I, I don't know actual uh, figures and numbers, but the, the press don't don't help things like redundancies is not a nice thing um losing a job in in any ways is, is is not a nice thing the globe seems to be heading towards a recession things get more publicized um but if we look at the top tier um corporate organizations most of them will let go 10 percent of their staff every year anyway um as a we want to keep hold of the best and we'll, we'll move people through so but what we have found is there is more good talented people on the market that have arrived through other reasons um where which which through no fault of their own they're available in the marketplace um so um the the salaries did get out of hand but what i will caveat to that is that um in the best way i can good salespeople, a players always cost good money but what happened was it was those C players started getting A player level salaries. And that's what caused the problem. And people had taken um, uh, investment. And we know with investment comes pressures to do something. Um, and it's like, right, we needed to get these people on board. And what happened with that was there was, rather than going through a proper recruitment process, people were up against, there was something like um, 3,000 companies that, took investment between seed and series B. Um, and that suddenly, and, and, and suddenly globally, everybody could hire the same people because of you know, Corona uh, enabled that. And you've got the companies around, which means you can hire people everywhere. So, so there was this fight for, for talent and it suddenly happened all at the same time. And so instead of trying to sell the organization, it was like, just get an offer quick. Um, and, uh, and then we didn't know whether people were right um for the organization and the salary and then it, everything just became very very expensive so that's obviously going to be um trimmed down um i think you will always play good good money for an a player but that's why um i you know what i mentioned about what do you need to hire and you don't necessarily need like a players are they will always take the um the easiest route downhill and it's like uh have you got product market fit is your pricing right? Um, have you got a million pound revenue already? 
And if it's your first boots on the ground, there might be some other skill sets that you that you could do with for the next um, 18, 24 months, um, which is someone who's a potential A player, which won't come with the same um, salary. So um, so I think you'll definitely see where people won't have to pay as much um, for um, the salespeople um, because it did it did go um, really high in some instances, like, like, like seriously high. Um, so I think we'll see that start to um, to normalize down. Um, and also we're going to have a swing round where there will be more people who who are on the market um, than there are job opportunities. Whereas before there was always a lot of jobs and then people would be open to, to moving to those places, but there wasn't enough people around. Just to caveat that then is that particularly if you're hiring, you need to make sure you know what you're hiring and what your pitch is because the really good people that are doing well in difficult times, why are they going to come out? Okay. So you have to really, really think hard about what you're hiring and what you want them to, to, um, to achieve. So the really good ones who are in there working um, to pull them out in times where, you know, it it could be a difficult times, why they're going to, um, um, to do that. But the bottom line is salaries should come down in a large part but don't then try and be cheap on a good person and say well actually there's loads of people out there so i can do this pay well for good people um but also pay the 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 level and and the other bit which i always say to candidates if you want an uptick here expect your target to go here because you're a salesperson um and you can't suddenly go well my revenue's here so i want to keep edging my basic um, up the the targets will go up also um, to match it because you've got to make the um, the revenue back on that. Does that answer your question? Yes, definitely, definitely. We're seeing that as well. Awesome. Um, so before I let you go and get back to um, to your day, um, you know we've been talking for um, a year or so now. Um, awesome company, awesome business. Um, what's your guys' plans over the next uh, six to twelve months? Yeah, so that's great. So I mean. So GK is, as I mentioned, we're a cybersecurity company in the blockchain space. So we we sell to banks and financial institutions that are looking to self-custody mm-hmm. their own assets. And when we talk about digital assets, it could be cryptocurrencies, but it, not only. It's tokenization of traditional assets. It's things like NFTs, um, tokenization of real estate. So there's a lot of use cases with that regard that we're working on. And the, the market is huge. While the crypto space has had a little bit of a... a uh, a difficulty over the last few months. Uh, we're definitely seeing a, a major uptake with companies that now want to self custody and and be able to control their own destiny with that regard. Mm-hmm. So, as a company, we've uh, we've also had a little bit of a roller coaster ride over the last twelve months, a little bit more. So we were uh, we were acquired back in November of two thousand twenty one. Uh, the company that acquired us uh, filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. We stayed independent as a company all along, and we continued to sell technology. Um, and in December, uh, it was announced that uh, Galaxy Digital um, is acquiring us. They're a uh, an American company that's publicly traded in Canada. Uh, very, very well uh, recognized company, well respected company. And with that, we're staying completely independent as a technology provider. Uh, but we're looking to significantly grow the business um, and really work on the strategy that we had all along, mm-hmm. but accelerate that uh, with regard to both manpower as well as just building out the, both the sales groups, the, the uh, customer success and support, but as well as the development teams. So we have pretty ambitious goals of growing from our existing uh, team over the next uh, 12 to 18 months. 
Um, and with that comes the uh, the revenue targets as well. So uh, you got to put those two together. But that's 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 why we're in business to make money. That's it. Awesome. Uh, well, Mark, I really appreciate your time and just sharing just a small insight into your leadership career. Um, you've been super successful and um, I'm pretty sure um, that GK will uh, continue to to grow in the right way under your stewardship. So looking forward to sticking close and seeing how things go. But um, I, I know uh, you do work many, many hours. Um, so um, I will let you uh, get back to your day uh, and appreciate you taking time out. Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. I appreciate the time. No worries. I'll talk to you soon, James.